Hello, and welcome to In the Kitchen with Brett Thorne, a podcast by Restaurant Hospitality. I'm your host, Senior Food and Beverage Editor, Brett Thorne. For this episode, I spoke with Amy Oleksi, owner of Tallulah's Table in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, which is one of the hardest restaurants to get a reservation at. It has a total of two tables, and they book normally a year to the day in advance. That's changed a little bit since the pandemic started. It's fully booked on weekends still, but but sometimes you can snag a table a month or two in advance during the week. Uh, She also operates several restaurants with business partner Stephen Starr in Philadelphia, including several that also have the name Tallulah in them. That's uh, her daughter's middle name, as well as one called The Love uh, on Rittenhouse Square. Uh, Alexi was a pioneer in offering the simple but delicious local seasonal food that has been in vogue for the past decade or so. And in this podcast, she discusses how she got started doing that and, of course, how she has adjusted during the pandemic. And now, Amy Alexi. Well, it's so nice finally to meet you, Amy Oleksi, of of Tallulah's many things. You got Tallulah's table, you got Tallulah's garden, and you have love, Mm -hmm. and you, what else, Tallulah's daily, is that right? Daily and the love, you said, yeah. So I think I will start with the mothership, which is uh, Tallulah's table. And, And Tallulah's table is, of course, the really unique space because all of my other three businesses are in Philadelphia and they're smack in center city in Philadelphia. Tallulah's Table is located in Kennett Square, uh, Pennsylvania. And uh, that's also where I live now. I I lived in Philadelphia for many years, but I live in Kennett Square right near Tallulah's Table. And Tallulah's Table is, you know, when I opened it back in the day, which is 14 years ago now, it was really the first of its kind of a, of a hybrid cheese shop, bakery, coffee shop, prepared food, gourmet market, slash fine dining, tasting menu, restaurant in the evening. Um, so it was a really, a, you know, back then, I, ca- I can't explain it now. Back then, you know, it was something, you know, no one had ever heard of this idea. And, and a few of them existed, you know, there was neat things around the country that inspired me. But the inspiration for Tallulah's Table really came from my love of every aspect of the food business. You know, I really, I, I, I loved, you know, cheese and coffee and, um, you know, service and plated, you know, plated courses back then, you know, I wasn't going to have a gourmet market and then, you know, leave my passion for plated courses. So that's how the tasting menu at night, I love, you know, hors d'oeuvres. And so of course I wanted to do a a restaurant that started with great hors d'oeuvres. So Tallulah's Table kind of became the mothership, this model and allowing me to pay tribute to every little aspect of the food business and the restaurant business. So it, it's a retail shop and then like a fine dining restaurant that from what I understand, you can't get into. It's always been really hard to reserve yeah. it because you only have, what, two tables, something like that? Correct. Yeah, about, about two or three months after I opened Tallulah's Table, um, it just started to happen. Basically, there are the two tables that, um, that I served 
I decided that because Kennett Square was outside of Philadelphia and people would, I would hope people would make this a destination experience because it, the tables are, you're served, you're a group. You come in as a group of 10, 10 guests, 10 to 12 guests. And then we have another table called the Nook table, which is a little more of the locals table. And that's a smaller group of four to eight guests. So I knew people had to plan their occasion. So on a whim, when I opened Tallulah's table, I just said, I'll, I'll take, I'll accept reservations one year in advance to the numerical date. So on March 13th, we will be booking for March 13th the following year. And I'll take that reservation when we open at 7 a.m. when we open the coffee shop in the morning. And I, I created that system just because I thought people would like to plan, not expecting that people would actually book one year in advance. And then within about two months of people coming, the groups just they wanted to come again they wanted to tell their friends and suddenly people were coming to the door they were coming in the coffee shop they were calling and saying how do i do it and then next thing i knew we were every day on the calendar was booked at 7 a.m for one year away so i mean it's a tribute to how small it is but it was it was really a tribute to you know that people wanted this very custom little unique experience i think and um you know, and then it just keeps on going and going. It's crazy. You know, we have a, our calendar on the wall. I am always, I'm always a year ahead in my mind. You know, I'm always looking at the names on the calendars coming, you know, next January, um, you know, and, you know, looking for cancellations and things like that. But, um, you know, it's a full, full year of reservations. And so that's, that's the mothership yes. named, named after your daughter, right? Yes. So it is her middle name. It's Annalie Tallulah. And one day when I was working on Tallulah's table, um, which is actually the table, the farm table, that's the centerpiece of this gourmet market, um, which my uncle made. He um, lived in uh, Maine at the time. Um, he built this beautiful farm table and I wanted it to be the centerpiece uh, table. And when I was working on names, I wanted table in there somehow. And then, you know, I just looked at my only daughter and she was a little baby then. And I was like, I guess it's really about, you know, it's about the generations and your family and, you know, everything. And it just struck, it stuck. So Tallulah's table, you know, just carried on. And then you hooked up with Stephen Starr, right? Yes, it was my, uh, my second hookup, <laughs> the, um, prior to opening Tallulah's Table, for years I had worked for him. Uh, when I lived in Philadelphia, uh, I worked for him in, in the very early days when he was a very small uh, restaurateur um, and he only had his restaurants, The Continental and Budokan. And we opened his third place together, The Blue Angel in Philadelphia. And then I, I ate just, there. Oh, you did? Yes. Oh. It's, yeah. a, it's a little jewel box, as he described yeah. it. Yeah. Back, back when he gave interviews long yeah. ago, when he was a, a young upstart restaurateur moving from doing uh, live events and entertainment and music yeah. stuff. I, yeah. just, I just left him. He, or he just left me. We were just hanging out all morning. The, um, so Blue Angel was a jewel box. He had such an eye for spaces. And so he, I answered an ad that he was looking um, for someone that had an expertise in French um, you know, French restaurants and development and restaurants. And I had, as a little girl, worked in a French cafe um, outside of Philadelphia called the Spring Mill Cafe. And um, my wonderful mentor, Michelle Haynes, owned that little restaurant. And I was 13 when I started there, sweeping floors and doing laundry and, um, you know, cleaning carrots and doing everything. And I just somehow became her little right-hand girl. 
And I was, I had taken a great interest in all things French. And then I, you know, was, I grew up and at some point I saw the ad with Stephen and I applied. And at the time I was working at the Four Seasons and um, I took the job and he and I became close partners. We opened Blue Angel together. And then I ultimately worked on a few other projects for him. Some of his crazier things, the restaurant pod um, designed by David Rockwell and some really neat things. Yeah. And um, then um, time passed and I decided it was time for me to move on and do my own thing. So then, you know, more time passed and Tallulah's table was about two years old, two or three years old. And he and I would keep in touch and he kept saying, are you ready to come back to Philadelphia and, you know, do something now that you got your, your little personal special place out of your system, you know? And in some ways I decided that I, I really did understand exactly what I love to do. And I really wanted to put this local seasonal, the simple local seasonal cooking at the forefront. And I really agreed with him that Philadelphia didn't have it at the time and really still doesn't other than us. And um, so we looked at spaces together and I ultimately landed with him uh, in Washington Square, which is a beautiful neighborhood in Philadelphia. Um, in um, a space that has an outdoor garden and beautiful indoor restaurant. And that became Tallulah's Garden um, because I thought, well, if it's a big space for lots of people, then that will be Tallulah's Garden. And the companion to that space, which is right next door, is a model of Tallulah's Table um, called Tallulah's Daily. And that is an all day cafe, bakery, coffee shop. And we do, you know, tasting menus at night and special little dinners. Um, so I kind of created the, maybe like the urban sister of Tallulah's Table. And it also is a, is a shop, right? A retail shop? Yeah, exactly, like Tallulah's Table. Tallulah's Table, again, has this very rustic country store feel. Tallulah's Daily is like the urban bustling gourmet shop. And, um, and then, you know, next door is Tallulah's Garden, this big restaurant. It's confusing. If I'm, you got to keep it straight. It's hard. <laughs> it's not confusing. You got a place that has a garden. There that's Tallulah's Garden. You yeah. have another one that's a place where you go and grab yeah. your coffee and your muffin. That's Tallulah's Daily. This is not so difficult. Anyway. Good, good. Well, you know, and everyone now over the years, um, like I think good things, ha it happens. Everyone calls them the table, the garden, the daily, you know, and, and people kind of know it's the Tallulah's thing. And then, you know, a couple years of feeling settled there, I decided to look at a place that Stephen was talking to me about on Rittenhouse Square, the, a gorgeous corner property. And I came into the space and just in happenstance, you know, he said to me, what would you call it? You know, what would it be? And I was like, I don't know that I would make another Tallulah's, you know, but it's, it's, it definitely has the love. I think I would call it the love, you know, I think it would be the place that would be the, you know, the sanctuary. It would be the place where, you know, the love is the most important ingredient, you know, everything else has its mission, you know, around the table or centered around the garden or centered around your daily sandwich and your daily coffee. So, you know, the love kind of came out of the idea of, you know, the place that has, you know, the most important ingredient, the hospitality and the love and the food. And, and you're, and you're a front of the house person anyway, right? You're, you're, you're yeah. the customer facing person. Yeah. I mean, I do both. I mean, I spend my day doing both things and I do spend a lot of, I, I start my day usually in the kitchens. Um, 
I, and I cook a lot at Tallulah's table a little bit more, but I, I still cook in Philadelphia too. But, you know, by the afternoon I'm with uh, the staff doing pre-shift and lineup and then um, I'm on the floor talking to guests and helping expedite in the kitchen and things like that. But you have chefs, you have oh, chefs at mm -hmm. all four locations? Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, it, yeah, incredible teams. That's cool. So yeah. what, what do you think it is about the, the food at Tallulah's table, or is it the food, that made it such a popular place? Was it the food or the location or, or you know, the scarcity of tables that can also be a, a wonderful draw? Yeah, I, I think, and I, and I think this is, a, I think this is with all of my places, but with Tallulah's table, the it's a it's the whole thing it's the mystique and the personal discovery of the whole experience you know there really is nothing like that so when you get invited to go to Tallulah's table maybe someone's hosting a dinner and you get called and you're coming in you really don't know what you're doing unless you're a townie from Kenneth Square so and many of our townies get coffee every morning and don't know about the table at night so they come into a thing and they walk into this gourmet market and then the lights are down and they see all the snails on the shelf and the mustard on the shelf and the crackers and the cheese and then they sit down and a menu that we you know, beautiful handmade menu that we make every month is in front of them listing 10 courses of procession of things. And then each course, you know, we articulate where things are from and how we develop them. And it's really, it's like a little, you know, it's like a little experience, like nothing else. So it's everything um, that, you know, comes together. The food is you know, for me, though, I mean, if I had to like put them all on the chopping block, the food is always the most important thing. You know, there there can be nothing without the incredible without the food, the project, the project of making the food amazing. So, you know, I think in the end, it, it's such a, it's so magical because the, of the whole thing when you leave. But when you come, I assume you're coming because you want to be fed. <laughs> and you're right. hungry, you know, so like you want, and so that has to be amazing and that has to live in your memory. But the story, you know, after you do it, is pretty magical about the whole experience for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, this has always been true and it's been even more true over the past 10 or 15 years that if you romance the food and tell the story behind it, that really uh, uh, captures people and then raptures yes. them and makes them fall in love. And yeah. you probably, uh, talk about which local producer made everything and, and all of that. Yeah, we do talk a little bit about the um, farms and things like that. It's funny you just mentioned that, though. I have a funny thing with my staff. I always, um, I always talk to them about making sure they never tell anyone, you know, like that a dish is wonderful or delicious or, you know, something about when you mentioned romancing the food, I always say, be careful not to tell them how they will feel about the food. Make sure that we're talking to them. If we talk about, you know, the, the farm we got it, or, you know, the ingredient or the variety or that sort of thing, but allow them to discover their own experience. I really feel, I really feel when people have their own process of discovery about a restaurant experience, about a dish, um, and, and there, you leave some space for curiosity and for them to ask questions that you, you have a greater like personal connection to it and you want to return and go again. We, all of my businesses, we change. Changing is like 
a major thing of, uh, that I have set up. So all of the restaurants, you know, we're changing with the seasons. Tallulah's table the most because it's the most premium. We change the menu every season. We do an, you know, the early spring, late spring, early winter, late winter. So we're always changing. Um, so I think that change is really important too because it keeps everyone very glued in to the food and what we're doing. You never, you can't forget about things don't get robotic, you know, within six weeks, you're, you just get to know a dish and then we're moving on to a new dish. So it's like, it's very stimulating for the staff. Um, but it's interesting you said about romancing the food because I think we romance it in a different way where we, we are examining it and experiencing it ourselves, and I am, and I'm studying it all the time, but I really, I love the guests to have their personal romance with it in a way, you know? I want them, I really concentrate, like I want them to feel it. I don't want them to be told by their neighbor, it's so good, it's delicious, you have to love it. I always am like, I want them to get it somehow, you know? Well, so can, yeah, go ahead. Do you get uh, full buy-in from a lot of your customers? I, I mean, there are so many people that have an allergy or don't eat such a thing. And so do you get a lot of, customers that, that want to micromanage this tasting menu or do they do they let it happen I, I i think it's small enough that we don't have too much of that but we're different we kind of relish the opportunity because we're so small to make those changes so the chef there michael williams who's incredible he he kind of likes you know the challenge um Believe me, if it's too much or too often, he has those frustrated weeks with it. But, you know, when tonight, for example, the group coming tonight at the farm table is a group of 12 and four of them are vegetarians. And one of the vegetarians doesn't like a lot of vegetables. You know, like uh, it's a vegetarian that doesn't like mushrooms or eggplant or like a, num a number of other artichokes, a number of other things, not an allergy. But you know, he said to me this morning, he's like, "It's fine. I, I, I have, I have great plans for this person." Just <laughs> um, a so bowl full of kale. There, eat up. Yes, yeah. So it's small there, and we can handle it. And it's kind of like if we should be able to do that. And so that's, you know, we actually we sell that as an opportunity for people because um, it's a hard thing to find. Um, so they've been pretty good about it, and I've noticed maybe after. COVID, it's getting a little bit better, but in my big restaurants, you know, in the Love and Tallulah's Garden, I'm not seeing as many um, curated menus needed for allergen relations or, or for people that have, maybe it's not allergies, it's diets a lot of the times, right. you know, where people are on just, you know, on a path to something they're trying and they try to get the restaurant to, to shape it. So. And you, you've seen less of that since the pandemic? A little less of it, I think. Our, I think I'm a little lucky. Our food is is kind of purist. My style is a little bit purist. So we we have the we're we're kind of we don't have a ton. We it's pretty evident on our menus what is gluten free and what's dairy free and what's vegan and stuff because we kind of we I we put that out there. So yeah. But I think people are being a little easier going. <laughs> we're, we're running out of time, and I for, I haven't yet asked you about this. You, you're doing the Tallulah's table tasting menu in people's homes now, right? Yeah, we are. And, you know, I mean, this is a funny thing because now we're like, you know, we're transitioning again and again and again. But we, over the holiday season, we were really doing it because 
you know, everybody's worried about the virus. So we were like, well, how about we come to you? We'll stay in your kitchen. You'll be in your dining room. We'll serve it very kind of delicately in your, you know, space just with one or two staff and you're safe in your home. You didn't have to come out and touch a lot of things. And it's the same menu. People just loved it. It was such, the, the homes and the people that we made connections with were unforgettable during that period of time. They really enjoyed having like, you know, someone do the work. A lot of them were sick of cooking, you know? Right, sure. And, but now people are coming back to restaurants. They don't, they are, they want, they now really just, they don't even want it at home. They want to come out. <laughs> so, but we're still doing it. We're still offering it. And we have um, next weekend, we have a little miniature wedding in Lancaster that we're taking the tasting menu to. So um, it's cool. We just kind of take our show on the road and our staff, you know, I have staff that have worked for me for so long. They just love, they love doing new things and getting a new scenery. And, and can you do multiple a night or do you, do you do one a night? How many, how many Tallulah's tables at home can you do? We'd, we'd probably be able to be in two houses at once, but I haven't done that yet. That feels like a double date or something. Um, we are usually doing one, we're serving it in the restaurant, you know, for the people that want to come in and then somebody didn't want to come and then we're sending a team to someone's home. Um, so yeah, it's cool. That's nice. Yeah, it's very nice. Well, Amy, Alexi, it was so nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. You too. Uh, it, it sounds like you've made it or you're making it through the pandemic. We're not over yet, but you're making it through it with uh, a yeah. certain amount of panache and grace. Yeah, I think we'll be wearing masks in our business for a long time, but I think that's okay. We, yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, once I go out again, I, uh, I don't know why I would stop wearing masks. Why, yeah. why, why not just wear a mask? Yeah, it's I polite. Yeah, I think we will just be doing that and we'll keep our, you know, we'll keep our restaurants nicely spaced and um, it's giving us some time to, you know, create new dishes and, you know, have a little fun. So 